I want to turn tonight in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we want to read at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have on this side of eternity to come and to meet with you in services just like this. And we pray that there would be an anticipation in our hearts to gather with you and to gather with your people around your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight and help us to see something of the relevance of it again and the perfection of it and how that we can rest our souls upon it no matter what is taking place in the world. We thank you that we have this chart and this compass your word that is continually directing our minds and hearts toward you. We just pray that you would help us tonight as we study your word together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're continuing our study of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. I think it's good for us to remember that. That's how we got here to John chapter 8, uh, and we're studying Galatians 5.1, here in John chapter 8, through the words of the Lord Jesus here in verses 31 and 32, because there is a connection between them. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The implication of those words is that if we, if we do not stand fast, if we do not stand firm, if we are not steadfast and unmovable in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, then we will be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus says here. If ye continue in my word, his word is what we are uh, to stand fast in. His Word, Himself, He is the Word living. And His uh, Word, the Word written, the Word of God, we're to stand fast in these things. And if we do that, we'll continue to be free. If we don't, then we will be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And we will find ourselves without our freedom. And that's what we've been thinking about in these evening messages. We've been looking at the consequences that have come to this nation because we haven't continued in the Word of God. We've been thinking about the lies that are being taught and being believed because we've rejected the truth of this book. This book being the King James Bible. 
We didn't start with that. We should have, as I, I think I mentioned at the time. But we spent five messages talking about how the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, preserved Word of God. Given to us, we hold it in our hands. And we talked about how churches and ministries have been and, and how they are continuing to be transitioned away. We talked about a man whose ministry is to do that very thing in fundamental churches, transition them away to these other false versions of the Bible. And the result, as you look across this country, is that we have been turned, our ears have been turned away from the truth. And we've been turned unto fables, cunningly devised fables. Cunningly devised fables that are destroying the freedom that we've known in this country. The other things that we have talked about and are going to talk about are, I believe, the direct results of having not continued in the Word of God, the King James Bible. The first one we talked about was climate change. This nation, as a matter of governmental policy, believes the lie of climate change. And on that note, um, this past Thursday the 2023 UN Climate Change Conference began in Dubai. Interesting how they don't pick out these poverty-stricken nations to meet in. They find the best place that they can in the world. And it's going to run from November the 30th until December the 12th, so we're not out of the woods. And just to give you a sense of the danger of this globalist meeting and the list of people who are there reads like a, a who-who, who's who of, um, of globalism. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Al Gore and John Kerry uh, are all there. But um, the danger that is represented there the Biden administration has committed to building no new coal plants and phasing out existing plants so that this nation has no coal-fired power generating plants by 2035. In other words, and what they won't tell us, is that will eliminate 20% of the power generation in this country. And yet, they say that doing away with 20% of the power generation will build stronger economies and more resilient communities. We'll be living like we did last year at this time, folks. We'll be living just exactly like we did for those four days, maybe five days for some, that we did last December. This is the kind of insanity that you get when a nation doesn't continue in the Word of God. You get lies. You get deception. You get cunningly devised fables that are leading us to tyranny. We talked about how this nation believes that abortion is a woman's right to choose. 
It's not the killing of a human being made in the image of God. And 65 million babies have lost their lives as a result of this nation not continuing in the Word of God. This nation believes that homosexuality is normal. It's acceptable. It believes that guns, not man, is the reason for the violence in this country. This nation believes, or certainly the leadership of it believes, that Israel is the problem in the Middle East. That the Arab Muslim nations, peoples, are the indigenous people. And that Israel, they're the settlers. They're the interlopers. They have no right to the land that God gave them 4,000 years ago. And the result is that the belief, as we saw from Psalm 83, that Israel must be annihilated. These are the things that we've talked about in our previous messages. Tonight we want to think about another of these cunningly devised fables, and that is the transgender movement. But the better term is transgenderism. When you add the suffix ism, I-S-M, then you are describing something that is a philosophy. You're describing something that is believed and honored and protected as a kind of moral principle. I want to read you something from the Cleveland Clinic. The Cleveland Clinic is one of the most respected medical facilities in this country. It has been for many years. And this is from their website, Transgender Ensuring Mental Health. And their first statement is, being transgender is not a mental illness. Now, it, it was not always believed that that is true. There was a time when being transgender was classified as a mental disorder. I believe that one of the people um, who helped to make this point is a man by the name of Dr. Paul McHugh. I think we've mentioned him before, but he's a very important man. He's 85 years old, I believe. Uh, I saw a picture of him on the Internet. It still looks really good to be 85. But for 40 years... Dr. McHugh was the University Distinguished Service Professor of Psychiatry at Johns Hopkins Medical School. Pretty prestigious position. For 26 of those years, he was psychiatrist-in-chief of Johns Hopkins Hospital. Dr. McHugh has been studying people who claim to be transgender for 40 years. He is an expert on the subject. Dr. McHugh said that publicly, publicity rather, especially from early examples such as Christine Jorgensen. I have to give you from my memory who Christine Jorgensen is. I believe he is a transgender man who transitioned to be a woman. He was a soldier in World War II. And if I remember correctly, he did not come home. 
He wrote his family and told them that he would be home, but he would be a different person when he came home. And he went to Sweden and underwent a sex change surgery. So Christine Jorgensen may be one of the first, uh, certainly celebrated as one of the first transgenders. And, and Dr. McHugh mentions Renee Richards, some of us probably remember Renee Richards, a man who um, transitioned to be a woman and wanted to compete against women in tennis, professional tennis, I believe. But he says that publicity around these people, he, in another article he mentions Bruce Jenner, um, that the publicity around these people has promoted this idea that, some, that, that one's biological sex is a choice, a choice. And it leads to this cultural acceptance of this whole idea. And he says that that idea, which was quickly, rather quickly accepted in the 1980s, has run through the American public like a revelation or a meme affecting much of our thought about sex. So much so that in 2012, the American Psychiatric Association revised its Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And in that revision, or as a result of that revision, it no longer lists being transgender as a mental disorder. Transgender people will now be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which means emotional stress related to gender identity. Gender identity disorder has been listed as a mental disorder since the third edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual more than 20 years ago. That's 20 years back from 2012, which takes us back to the very early 1990s. Well, it wasn't just the American Psychiatric Association. In 2019, the World Health Organization, who? Um, <laughs> who? The World Health Organization stated that they will no longer categorize, categorize being transgender as a mental disorder. And so they came up with this major re resolution to amend their health guidelines, and it was approved in May of 2019. Now, this was a very important decision because the WHO publishes the International Classification of Diseases. Now, you folks who are in and who have worked in the medical profession, you're familiar with the International Classification of Diseases. It's the Bible of medical diagnosis for the medical profession. So according to the newly revised version of the International Classification of Diseases, it's abbreviated ICD-11. Now, um, it was published by the World Health Organization in 2019. 
gender identity disorders have been reframed as gender incongruence. Gender nonconformity is now included in a chapter on sexual health rather than being listed with mental disorders as was the case previously. Gail has an ICD-10 book at the house and she looked it up. I, it would have taken me hours and hours to find anything in that book. But she looked it up, and sure enough, even in the ICD-10 book, it showed uh, that as a mental problem. So this is why the Cleveland Clinic begins their webpage on this subject by saying, being transgender is no longer a mental illness. Now, I want you to listen to what the Cleveland Clinic says next in their website. And this just shows you exactly where leaving, not continuing in the Word of God, where it takes you. It's under the section overview. What is transgender? Listen to this first statement. Health care providers assign a baby a sex at birth. Babies may be assigned female at birth and that's abbreviated AFAB, or assigned male at birth, AMAB, based on their external physical genitalia. Now, I want you to think about that. Healthcare providers assign a baby a sex at birth based on this physical examination. What that statement does is it leaves the door wide open for an individual to come along and believe that they can change their sex based on how they feel inside. The outside, the physical's got nothing to do with it. It's how you feel inside. We, we've been through and we've seen something of the consequences of this kind of thinking when boys are going in girls' restrooms because they identify on a particular day as a girl. Men are going in women's locker rooms, at gyms, because that particular day they identify as a woman. And, and people are letting this go on. This is how ridiculous this has become. This is confusion of the highest order. Ryan T. Anderson is a Ph.D., and he wrote an article for the Heritage Foundation. The article is entitled, Sex Reassignment Doesn't Work, Here's the Evidence. And he refutes this statement that health care providers assign a baby a sex at birth. Dr. Anderson says, quote, contrary to the claims of activists, Sex isn't assigned at birth, and that's why it can't be reassigned. He wrote a book when Harry became Sally, and he talks in that book how sex is a bodily reality that can be, um, that can be recognized well before birth with ultrasound imaging. Now, he's exactly right. The sex of a child can be recognized well before birth. And, and those words 
really got me thinking. It doesn't require an ultrasound machine either. I'd like for you to turn back to Genesis chapter 16 for just a minute, if you will. Genesis chapter 16. We're familiar with the account here. The Lord promised Abraham a son, and Sarah being his wife, his promise was that they would have a son. But Sarah is barren. And so she and Abraham do, did exactly what you and I are very inclined to do, and that is you get tired of waiting on the Lord. And so they decided in the energy of the flesh that they knew how to bring about the promise of God. And, and then have a child. And so Sarah takes um, her handmaid Hagar and gives her to Abraham to be his wife. Look at verse 3. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And you remember that Sarah, when she saw that happen, she realized her plan wasn't as good as she thought it was. And so she deals very severely and very hardly with Hagar. And so Hagar runs away. And we read here in verse 7 that the angel of the Lord found her. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he tells Hagar in verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child... And shalt bear a baby whose sex will be assigned at birth by the midwife based on the external genitalia. Now, that's not what the Lord says. He says, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son. This child's sex was not assigned at birth. This child's sex was recognized well before birth. In fact, his sex was known by God at the very moment of conception. Turn over to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. This is another uh, passage of Scripture that we're very familiar with. But it is a very important passage of Scripture. It's the definitive chapter on what takes place at the moment of conception. It's a very important chapter for those of us who are pro-life. Psalm 139, and look at verse 14. David says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We all think about that sometimes. 
We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Dr. Henry Morris has a comment in his Defender Study Bible. He, he says that the words curiously wrought are one Hebrew word that mean needlework. In other words, that mean embroidered. And he, he, he makes the point that that is a striking description of the double helical DNA molecular program, which organizes part by part the beautiful structure of the whole infant. Here it is, way back here in the Old Testament. God is taking us in this verse... He's taking us into what takes place at the chromosome level, at the moment of conception. When he creates a son, in Hagar's case, when he formed this child, when he formed this child in her womb with one X chromosome from Hagar and one Y chromosome from Abram. God recognized Hagar's child as a son from the moment he was conceived because he made him. He made him. And as we see in verse 15, in God's book, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, I meant to say. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Here in verse 16, all of Hagar's son's members, all of them, were written. And they were in continuance. Hour by hour, and day by day, and month by month, they were fashioned, they were formed by God himself to make Hagar's baby a son. And the same is true of every son and every daughter that is conceived and born into this world because there is no respect of persons with God. Yes, a child's sex can be recognized and known well before birth by the creator God because he forms and makes each baby that's conceived in this world. That's part of what ought to strike us with these words, what it means to be fearfully and wonderfully made. This is why, this is why a man cannot become a woman. Because at the chromosome level, God has made a man a man. And he's made a woman a woman. And it can, you can't change that. This is why Dr. McHugh correctly said, and listen, he's a very popular fellow. <laughs> he said, um, 
there's a fly up here. I don't, I'm not just going off my rocker. Um, Dr. McHugh said, transgendered men do not become women, nor do transgendered women become men. All become feminized men or masculinized women. Counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. Counterfeits, impersonators of the sex with which they identify. In that lies their problematic future. A problematic future. And Dr. Ryan Anderson, I don't know if he realizes it or not, but he picked up on that point of Dr. McHugh this problematic future. He says, when the tumult and shouting dies, when all the hubbub is over, it proves not easy nor wise to live in a counterfeit sexual garb. The most thorough follow-up of sex reassigned people, and it's a study that extended over 30 years and it was conducted in Sweden. And that's important because the, the culture in Sweden is and has been very supportive of transgender people. I, I think that's where Christine Jorgensen went uh, in the 1950s or late 1940s to have sex change surgery. So... This, the Swedes have been supportive of this for years and years. But the study of what's taken place there over 30 years documents the lifelong mental unrest of those who go through this process. Dr. Anderson points out that 10 to 15 years after surgical reassignment, the suicide rate of those who had undergone sex reassignment surgery rose to 20 times that of comparable people. 20 times. And yet, what's happening in this country? The public schools, many, many, many of them, there's parents that are fighting back. But if your child announces that they want to be known by a different pronoun or a different name, they're protected. And, and many in the public educational realm despise parents and will tell parents straight up, that's none of your business. When they come here into these walls, they belong to us. They belong to us. Dr. McHugh points to the reality that because sex change is physically impossible, physically impossible, it frequently does not provide the long-term wholeness and happiness that people seek. Now, why are we seeing this confusion? Why are people believing the lie that a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man? It's because we haven't continued in the Word of God. Very simple. We haven't continued in the Word of God that says so plainly and so simply and so elegantly in Genesis 1.27 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. We have it continued in the word of God. Psalm 100 in verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. And yet, what do we see in this country? A, a great number in this generation of young people who are running around in rebellion against God, and they're saying to the, their creator, they're saying to the potter that's made the vessel, why hast thou made me thus? And the lie of humanism that has taught them that man is God, man is the measure of all things, they believe that they can change the way that God made them. I'd like to close with a final quote from Dr. McHugh. And he wrote an article, you can look it up on the internet, Transgenderism, a Pathogenic Meme. He closes his article this way. The idea that one's sex is fluid and a matter open to choice runs unquestioned through our culture. Unquestioned, and it does. And is reflected everywhere in the media, the theater, the classroom, and in many medical clinics like the Cleveland Clinic. It has taken on cult-like features, its own special lingo, internet chat rooms providing slick answers to new recruits, and clubs, and I would add stores like Target. I read this week that Target has appointed a guy who is a homosexual, I mean, he may be transgender, but they've appointed him. They're doubling down. The fact that they've lost money hand over fist, it doesn't make any difference. They're doubling down on their position of providing clothes and, and, and going right along with this woke culture. They're providing for easy access to dresses and styles supporting the sex change. Dr. McHugh said it is doing much damage to families, adolescents, Maybe next week, I don't know, depending on how the Lord leads, we'll, we'll, we'll read some, some cases of young people who had their bodies mutilated when they were very young, very early in their teen years, and now they're miserable. Some of them are even suing the doctors for what they've done to them. It's doing much damage to families, adolescents, and children and should be confronted as an opinion without biological foundation wherever it emerges. The Bible calls that science falsely so-called. And it needs to be confronted as false science. And then Dr. McHugh gives his final warning. And I suspect this man knows exactly what he's talking about. He says, but gird your loins if you would confront this matter. Hell hath no fury like a vested interest masquerading as a moral 
principle, an ism, if you will. And the only way it can be confronted is with the truth of the Word of God. We've got the truth. And that truth has got to be proclaimed, I believe, with the attitude of heart that God's people had in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, where they prayed, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. You want to be threatened? Remember last year, folks? Remember on this night last year and, and, and the days that, that kind of followed? You remember who was blamed? Who was mentioned as the problem in the uh, power outage in this county? It was the people who were against the drag show. We went up there and we protested peacefully. So many of us were there. And it was peaceful. The other group was loud and boisterous. And a couple of times I wasn't so sure that they weren't going to get out of hand. But yet, who was it uh, that was um, insinuated that we were the ones that were causing the problem? Because we confronted it. We confronted it with the truth of the Bible. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That needs to be our prayer in these days when this nation has forsaken and not continued in the word of God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to your word and we can find the truth. We can find the answers to our questions. And we can find the truth on which we're to stand and confront what's going on in this country. And we do pray that you would behold the threatenings of those who stand for the truth and that in the midst of this, you would give each of us as individuals and that you would give this body of believers strength, strength to stand for you and to stand for your word and to proclaim your word boldly. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.